Welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 106 of your fortnightly manga discussion podcast, recording on the 3rd of July 2022, for release on the 5th of July 2022. My name is always Elliot Page, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Andy Hanley. How you doing, Andy? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Like, I'm, I'm tired but functional, and sometimes that's all you can ask for. I mean, given the modern age we live in, tired but functional is doing pretty damn well, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for, after a couple of years of pandemic times, I tried a full week of being sociable with other people. And turns out after two years of not doing that, that's kind of exhausting. So, uh, yeah, I, I have learned something this week. Yeah, there was like a local event up here um, on this weekend, like a special, it was like a parade and horses and the whole hullabaloo and a small like, you know, um, like a fair festival type thing and tons of people. And it was, the density was too high. Your your intrepid reporter took one look at it and walked the other direction because, oh man, <laughs> there's too many people here. Um, and a lot of them, it was like crazy, like, I suppose it was like Scottish Hanami in a way where people were setting up gazebos and tarpaulins to sit down so they could like watch the, um, watch the parade go past, which I don't know. I've never seen someone, I'd never had seen someone bring a gazebo to like an event before. It seemed a bit much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that feels like that, that's some pro level spectating when you're bringing your own gazebo. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of here for that. So kudos to them. Yeah. It was like gazebo, tarpaulin, chairs and then a cooler box full of tenants you know so doing pretty well frankly yeah the, the, the most important ingredient of all tenants yeah getting getting drunk and slightly rained upon because hey we still live in scotland weather ain't gonna be that great yeah exactly we, this is where we should say other beers are available because we don't have a sponsorship deal with tenants yet <laughs> yet <laughs> iron brew come at us absolutely yeah cool so yeah as mentioned this is your fortnightly manga discussion podcast um we have a patreon at patreon.com forward slash screen tone club where you can chuck us a few us dollars to get bonus episodes including the one we just published on in the clear moonlit dusk um a shoujo title which we had a good old fun time talking about um we also have on our patreon the people who are our shout outs tier mr rob jessup the blue head cyborg and seekers get so once again thank you ever so much for supporting us um at the shout outs tier um before we get too much further um i want to give a content warning for this episode um just up front before we get too far in and i forget quite frankly and it'll be in the show notes as well um but yeah this um this one of the titles we're talking about kind of touches on um sexual assault quite intensely and consistently throughout its entire length um and that would be census sensei's pious lie and also um our other pick Terra, also has quite a lot of bullying and like being a creep ass i suppose there's there's a bit of there's quite a bit of like rather aggressive bullying in there so just as a quick content warning um just for that ahead of time um now that i've already said what both names are which one should we do first andy what do you think? Um, i guess let's do your pick first so that we can kind of compartmentalize the biggest content warning of this episode towards the end uh to, to give people an opportunity and a fair fair warning for what's to come yeah I, I'm, I'm down with that so yeah my pick was cigaretera and um, that's how i'm pronouncing it and i'm sticking into it quite frankly um it's also a poison i believe from doing a bit of wikipediaing it's by minura furia furia who is a name that i've seen popping up quite a lot recently um they have quite a few works um this one's by kodansha they also have a number of other works um available including the music of marie but yeah, they've they've suddenly become a bit of a property, at least on the um, publisher side, because I've seen their name popping up more and more. Um, Sigur Terra is a coming of age story, I guess. Um, it's quite aimless, really, after the initial sort of start. Um, it's three volumes, um, and this we looked at was the first omnibus edition volume. Um, there are four volumes total, so it's not quite complete yet. Um, but the three of them are out. I saw it physically. It was in a bookstore, and it was shrink wrapped, and so it was like ooh forbidden fruit and i bought it digitally just because i was curious um so where is the god's guy's name 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, sorry, you yeah. Organize the, the yeah, I've got I've got too many names here. I've I tried to stop myself from forgetting names by writing them all down, and I can't tell my handwriting <laughs> apart. Um, but this centers on Yusuke Ogino, who is a first year in high school, um, and he is like an aggressively sort of like average looking dude. Um, he almost feels like a mob character for being like the bullied gopher in another series, and he, you know, but he's he is in fact a bullied gopher. <laughs> Um, and him alongside his friend Takai, who is a large dude um, with glasses and um, kind of looks like a frog, quite honestly. Um, especially when he starts getting big mouthed. He looks like a big old frog. Um, but they are the gophers to some asshole called Taniwaki, who thinks that he's king hot shit. And he even has his like rather strange gallish hanger on girlfriend who he also abuses and like takes nudes of and then shares to his various like kids that are under his thumb which is extremely strange um at least in my mind but basically um ogino is a rather normal dude but he has dreams like anyone else he wants to hit the open road on a motorbike he is super into earning his motorcycle license unbeknownst to his parents because he kind of i I feel like he kind of needs like a spark in his life to keep him going like academics ain't cutting it um there isn't anything too much more interesting to look forward to um he has a part-time job to help pay for said lessons and he goes to like a little sort of driving school nearby and he has a little talks with his friend Takai about like, you know, what it'll be like when they finally own bikes and, you know, the, the preposterously expensive and powerful motorbikes they want to buy. Um, and it kind of enters into a little bit of an ongoing, um, just kind of like more and more as a series as the volume goes on, but it enters more and more in just a case of like a triptych of his life or like a smattering of his life as thing goes goes on. But anyway, at the start, he claps eyes on a very, very attractive lady um, who is, we don't find out their name until later. He says, Yumi, there we go. Fuck, found it. Um, so Yumi is a very attractive girl um, who also goes motorcycle riding and in fact is doing the like heavy bike course. Um and her friend basically sets them up um, with freckles on and things kind of go from there in those two principal directions, um, mostly about the motorcycle learning and also the attempting to woo Yumi, except it more turns into him kind of falling ass first into a relationship. And things, as you may expect from real life, I suppose, things come and go, they oscillate in importance. Um, some stuff kind of like floats in and out of life, like motorcycling kind of takes a backseat at some point, as does Takai's interest in motorbiking. And Takai himself at some point starts to fade away from view, only to pop up later. Um, and even Taniwaki, the bully, starts to fade in and out. Um, and so it kind of becomes a very closely clipped look at Ogino's life and pressures um, w- with all the awkwardness and horror of youth, but without quite the like intensity of a um, Flowers of Evil style work um, by the author whose name I've forgotten, help. Uh, Shuji Oshimi. Shuji Oshimi, yes. It's not quite as intense as that, but it is very much a case of like warts and all, look at this dunk, this punk-ass, idiot, dog-ass kid um, who basically seems to be, at times, like you are shocked, shocked that anyone has time for him, particularly Yumi, um, because goddamn is this guy kind of a lot to deal with, um, especially as things get on. Anyway, I've kind of laid the groundwork there and said what happens. Uh, but yeah, I, what did you think about this, Andy? Like, did you enjoy this particular weird mix of topics? <laughs> yeah, I really, really liked this. It, it really kind of, it really hit for me. And I, it's kind of interesting because on the one hand, like it's a kind of super sort of almost caricatured, like dialed up to 11 kind of like teenage life story. Like everything that happens feels kind of, either sort of impossible or like crazy over the top in some shape or form. But I think it has such a good like underlying truth to everything that it does that it kind of works as a result of that. Like, you know, kind of Ogino's sort of place in the sort of social structure of his school, etc. sort of makes sense. There's, I feel like there's almost a sense of like an unreliable narrator about it because you, you see him being kind of, yeah, like this sort of scrawny nerdy kid who gets bullied, but then... Like, even Taniwaki kind of, like, warms him and sort of ends up kind of... They almost have this weird sort of 
buddy like relationship at some point where he's kind of like oh yeah you know you can just come and hang out with me and you know there's a point where he literally goes to kind of you know move on to somebody else and there's sort of that's really interesting and and the whole thing with like Yumi as well the fact that she's kind of attracted to him and interested in him kind of almost gives this feeling of like maybe he's not actually like what the person we're seeing sort of depicted in in certain ways um so all of that is kind of interesting but yeah i don't know all of the characters are sort of both larger than life and somehow also kind of believable um and even ogino as much as he's kind of (laughs) an idiot (laughs) in a lot of ways i like for, for want of a better phrase you kind of can't help but root for him and his kind of like stupid way of dealing things, of dealing with things, which again feels like a sort of a caricature of your average kind of teenager who doesn't know how to handle the the challenges life is throwing at him. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely came away from this being like, oh man, I have to read more of this. I have to see where this is going. Like, especially around the stuff with Takai, which is sort of going in some very odd places as well and i kind of want to see what the deal is with that mm. um and even you know like organized relationship all of that stuff is they're all things that i want to see continued and see like how they conclude so i'm definitely on board for more of this yeah that's a really good shout actually i hadn't considered the unreliable narrator part because I mean, you are getting it all from Ogino's point of view. So things swimming in and out of view um, match exactly. I feel like Ogino is the character that, you know, he's not like despisable light novel protagonist who is like just horror McCrewing. But it's more the fact that like whenever life hands him a revolver, he immediately points it directly at his knee and pulls the trigger until he gets nothing le- nothing else. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah ab- absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, that's kind of if there's any suspension of disbelief required for, for for this series, like that is kind of it. The fact that anything works out for him, because again, his whole relationship thing, like he screws that up so badly time and time and time again that it's like, how is anybody still putting up with this? Which again is kind of why. I, I almost found myself thinking like, no, this is probably he's probably fumbling his words a bit, but not being a complete idiot in reality because otherwise this makes no sense to me so maybe this is like to him it feels like he's spouting this nonsensical word salad but to everybody else it's just like ah he's just a nervous kid but he's cool um but yeah so that's very much like my personal take on it but it's sort of i feel like it makes it makes it work for me because otherwise it's just like yeah how how are you even kind of functioning here yeah how are you not a nervous wreck um i feel like there's there's one point later on i think it's especially once okino gets kind of like carried away with himself um despite you know he does the whole over analysis over planning thing um that people do and he get, he lives entirely in his own head and then you know he of course all that goes out the window when he just decides that maybe he'll get to touch a boob um and then at that point you you even get like a single thought bubble from yumi who just goes oh man you can't stop him when he's like this i'll just let him wind himself down and it's like okay like she knows what level things are on like it was kind of bizarre getting a little voice a little speech bubble from her of like oh okay like we're getting to see her thoughts to let her let us know that she knows what's going on and this isn't that shocking so but yeah the stuff with takai i am intensely interested in um i think like by like chapter six i had written oh no he seems like a school shooter this is really dire and that has not happened spoilers but like well anti-spoilers but you know stuff is on the go with him which went more dark but also way more realistic than i was expecting like from the get-go it's like i this character's probably gonna have a bad time and then it's like oh oh this has gone bad but in a realistic way that sucks yeah and it it feels super on point for him as well because you know he's kind of like the spoiled rich kid who has kind of like he's he's hit hard up against the reality of money can't solve all of your problems basically and it's like you know he's he sort of had his time of, of yeah. You know, he he literally spends like the first half of this one like paying off Tanewaki so that he avoids the worst of his kind of rage and bullying. Um, but like you know, there, there's a, a point where you know there's a breaking point even for that, and then you know his whole like family situation seemingly falls apart, and then everything else just follows afterwards. Um, but yeah, like he's a super interesting character 
you know and, and again it's i think it's it's one of those things that works in terms of sort of the reality of how this feels of like the the shifting sands of friendships when you're a teenager where somebody who's like your best buddy and you will die for one minute and then like you see a girl you like and suddenly it's like nah whatever you can you can go over there like i'm i'm busy with this other stuff and it's like it's the the classic kind of you know shifting territories around <laughs> friend groups and best friends are suddenly people that you don't care about at all because you know you've been you you've pulled off in this other direction with another group or with a girl or whatever it is and all of that is kind of super compelling and you know sort of relatable i think in the case of Ogino and Takai, I think especially it's just that different events happened at the exact time to them differently. And so they kind of just diverged in completely different directions very hard. And then, you know, you get a really fascinating, like, scene with Takai where you're like, wow, this is, I can't tell if this is like, it's, it's a really wild, you know, a really wild blow up between the pair of them, um, which again feels like a really big sort of change in tactic. And you also have this rather sort of, um sad character i suppose called miwa who is the like frankly the village bike i suppose at least that of what that's what you get you get a scene of her like basically doing compensated dating i think is the phrase for it and like basically she is hated by the school especially the girls at school because she's seen as a schlag and she's only she's out to bed all the men so keep away from your boyfriend type thing um and she's also trying to get a motorbike license and gets a gets a hold of ogino at the start and is like almost tries to blackmail him um and may or may not be part of the um another thing about this is it also depicts the stupidness and pettiness of life especially in a high school um really well where there's an there's an, there's an accelerating and ongoing rumor that ogino has a big penis <laughs> and like there's it doesn't like sit you down and say here is the mythology behind this rumor it's just like various girls will be like hey I hear you've got a big dick. And even his bully goes like, holy shit, get your pants off. Let me see. Um, I'll show you this nude from my girlfriend who is sat on the bed over there. It's like, what is this? And it's also like, yeah, this is what teenagers are like. They're fucking dumb and they're yeah. full of hormones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely like, I, I don't remember that ever being like a specific thing that happened in my kind of like secondary school, but there were definitely like these outlandish rumors would start up and you'd never know what the origin story of them were. They'd just suddenly be in the ether, and before you know everybody was talking about the thing of this person did this, or this person has this, or like, you know, whatever it is, and then as quickly as it came, it would just disappear again and never be spoken of, and it, it's... It, Again, it's that perfect encapsulation of that, like, sort of high school life where, yeah, th this weird sort of society built by people who are not at all capable of creating like a functional society basically and the teachers are just there not really caring about half of this stuff because they've got more important things as far as they're concerned to worry about yeah for sure and yeah it kind of goes out from there out into the real world where like obviously as a teenager you kind of flotsam of the world around you like ogino at one point gets like told by his boss at his part-time job that he might have a line on a sweet bike for him and then unsurprisingly it doesn't really come to pass um but thankfully i think by that point the series had already kind of migrated onto new pastures anew um and especially with me especially with yumi in the picture who is now the like big focus and of course is the girl on the cover so you know of course that's going to happen but as I say, I feel like the main thing is that the whole thing has a really solid grounding in reality and, you know, the absurdity and boringness of real life. And as well, the fact that, like, unsurprisingly, um, Taniwaki the bully is himself the target of unsavory elements, including getting sent a video nasty, um, which maybe go and check to see when this was published. And it's 2003. So people would have still had a VCR around, I think, at that point, frankly. Um, but also at the same time, all the phones are like clunky as balls. Um, um, so that's kind of fun to see is that i i this is gonna sound weird but like reading this made me really glad that i went to school in an era just before camera phones became a thing um because i escaped that and this you know all the phones in this are like bricks or flip phones but they have cameras and that seems very destructive for everyone taking snapshots yeah and it, it's also kind of important for some of the other stuff that, that this story does because there's a there's a fair amount of you know like ogino doesn't have a cell phone to start with with and there's, so there's a lot of hanging about trying to get hold of people or or, or the, the 
the teenage dread of having to call a house phone for a girl and it might be their parents picking up. It's like all of all of that kind of stuff. It, it manages to split the difference and not be like your modern cell phone world where everything's just like, ah, easy communication. It's kind of, that is there, but it's not readily available to everybody. So there's also that like, well, I want to see this person and I think she'll be at this point during this day. So I guess I'll just hang out for like three or four hours and see if she's there. Um, all of that kind of stuff that is just, again, like you say, it's that teenage tedium of like, well, I've got nothing better to do and here's the thing I want to ha- to happen. But also like, yeah, I can't just like send a text message. Yeah, it also has the like the horror of leaving a phone number in your jeans and then getting it washed by your mum. And then they're like, why are you so bent out of shape? And it's like, oh, you wouldn't understand. Like, you know, good old teenage angst. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, you get and then. At the, at the, yeah, as I say, at the end of the volume, you've got things in a nicer place. You know, bikes are starting to show up again. I must admit, I was quite sad when bikes started to like drift out of the position of the picture because I really enjoyed that like element of the like seeking the free wo- road as a way out of it um, and the bullying. But now, as I say, the bullying has weirdly kind of like sidestepped in a way um, after Taniwaki made a really stupid move. Um, turns out you probably shouldn't like try and shake down the sons of mobsters, um, apparently. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm still probably in there for another volume um, at the very least, because as I say, it's very, very, it's a very engrossing read at the very minimum. Like even in the sections, I was kind of going, oh my God, oh, you know, fucking hell, dude, knock it off. You're, oh, you're hard to root for or even read when you're like this, much like how the characters around you are going, oh, fuck, dog, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's extremely engrossing reading because it's kind of so um, sticky is the word I'd use, if that makes sense. Like it grabs you and it's like, oh, OK, shit. Like, look at all this. Um, especially the art really straddles the line between absurdist and realistic, especially with Ogino's faces. People pull good faces in this. Like I already said that Takai looks like a frog at some points because he will be like mid croak almost with his gob fully open. Um, and it gets across like, you know, it does really nice motor- motorbike drawings and, you know, just the mundanities of life. And, you know, it kind of puts you in that time really, like I say, with the, like the clunkiness of the phones and the technology and, oh shit, my brother has a ps2 we can totally watch all the mad max films which at the time was only three because this was before fury road existed and it's like yeah that's what you do as a teenager you find a way to like bogart a dvd player and you know maybe you make out with your girlfriend maybe who knows um although it does have the single most unrealistic thing which is a teenage boy managing to unhook a bra first attempt unsighted it's like (laughs) damn like you should get like a job sewing or something with that kind of dexterity yeah yeah for sure which i mean even he gets called out on that it's like wait how do you do that and it's <laughs> like, oh, i've watched a lot of porn and it's like i i don't think that 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 is not realistic porn absolutely. does not have a f- physical aspect to it dude yeah. well apart from well you know um but yeah sorry <laughs> Yeah, but but no, I I really like the art style as well. Like again, it it fits it fits like a glove for the actual series of just that blend of like the reality, but also those big dialed up to eleven moments and kind of the artwork is exactly that as well. Like you say, there's these big almost grotesque reaction faces that kind of put across those most intense moments. And and again, it's that sort of it's splitting that difference between this is not what a person looks like necessarily when they're kind of in that state. But if you just, you know, it's kind of it's the elevated version of that. And I feel like that's everything about this series. It's like it's kind of mundane reality, but filtered through this kind of over the top lens that just makes it that bit more compelling. Um, and, and the other thing I'd say, like in, in terms of kind of this being a compelling read, is like the pacing is really good. Oh, for like sure. It, it, it always it has just the right balance of knowing when to you know quiet things down and maybe be a little bit more con- contemplative for a page or two uh but it also just like keeps things moving not just kind of around like the central this is what Og- ogino is doing right now but you know there are sort of background things again it's, it's a smart thing that happens with like takai because he sort of disappears but you start seeing these little things happening 
around the periphery of you know the main events and you kind of start to join the dots that like oh this is related to where takai has gone um and then it sort of slowly pulls all of those threads back in together um so all of that stuff is done really really well and it all feels really satisfying when things kind of you know move forward and sort of come to a head so yeah like that that was definitely because this this feels like the kind of series where I could have just sort of dipped off at some point if it kind of, you know, if it ran out of things to to do or its progress slowed too much. But it always has just enough to kind of keep you on the hook and to feel like, oh, I, you know, this is definitely, I had to sit on my hands and not go straight into like going and buy the next omnibus when I got to the end of this so that I could just like talk about this on the podcast, like unsullied from what happens later on. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely be, be heading straight back for it as uh, as soon as we're done, basically. Yeah, it gets a really good cadence going with the individual chapters and the overall like 450-odd pages of it um, where, you know, it's a constant like just sort of cycle and keeping you moving. And as you said with Takai, like when characters aren't on screen, you know they're progressing and their lives are continuing. And that's really interesting because like, you know, Taniwaki himself vanishes for a while like because he's not just not up in anyone's grill. And then when he pops back you see him with two new gophers and it's like oh yeah of course like things are continuing life life moves on people change people learn things you know stuff occurs that rumor about having a big ding dong goes around the school in another lap it's like oh okay this is all going forward and it's just like okay like this is and also like stuff gets like said behind your back that is either a big deal or not a big deal like you know like Ogino's like the big worry at the very very start of the series is ah fuck if my bully finds out that I'm learning to ride a bike he's gonna fucking do me in and then it happens and it's like oh that was a colossal (laughs) anticlimax but then it's immediately moving on so you don't worry about it um so that's been really fascinating and yeah it's it's a really good sort of ongoing galloping sort of read um that kind of makes it feel you know it will make you like while away a lot of time reading it because it is dense and large um to read but it will go past and you'll be like oh fuck where'd my day go like i've read an awful lot of this manga yeah yeah And, and that that whole kind of thing about yeah like um or, you know, like learning to, to ride and, and not wanting Taniwaki to find out. Like that's, that's another thing that the series does really well throughout of kind of that, that teenage angst of like, this is the most important thing in the world. And then it turns out that it's not like there's a, there's a really great kind of montage basically of like when he gets like Yumi's number. And to start with, he's just like, now this is a wind up, not, not, not calling this. I'm not falling for it, which again is that perfect kind of you know um sort of self-doubting teenager of like no no girl's gonna like me like this this has got to be some kind of gag or some kind of wind up but then he kind of like no well i should at least call and then you see like a montage of multiple days where he finds an excuse to not, not to call of yeah. like yeah ah, my stomach feels a little bit off like i want to be 100 percent for this and it's like ah, well you know she might, she's probably busy doing something else because I've left it too late today. I'll do it another day. And it's, it's that, that painful of just like, oh yeah, I, I recognize this far too much. Yeah. And then her friend who eventually, who originally gave her the number just runs up to him and goes, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah, why did you not call? Why are you doing? And yeah. And then that leads to like hilarity on like their first actual date, which, um, you could see from a mile away, like it was like a meteor in the sky, but it's like, this is still going to be fucking hilarious when it happens. And it's still like, in, entirely like just head in hands like oh my god you fucking idiots like both of you what is this yeah yeah and and that that's i think that that is actually what sells sold me on that relationship of just like ah yeah you're both awkward teenagers like this is not this is this is not like yumi is some kind of like femme fatale or whatever like no she's just an idiot teenager as well who's got a weird crush and it's like yeah just they're fine together this works somehow yeah i think that's i think that also what helps me buy into the idea you had of it being like a unreliable narrator because of course anything to do with yumi from ogino's point of view is gonna be like venus fucking de milo in the like half an oyster whereas she you know even moments when you see her unguarded she's like "Ah, i don't know man like i'm just a teenager oh i forgot the mad max dvds you know it's just like oh okay like she's a human she's not actually like a weird goddess um although you know lady in bike leathers getting off a motorbike pretty hot but hey there you go (laughs) um but yeah it's a really fascinating read um and really intense and dense and full of character 
uh, both characters and character itself. So yeah, a really fascinating read. And also, I feel like maybe we should like younger listeners should go and like read this to see what the bad old times were like before mobile phones were ubiquitous. And you know, you didn't spend like half an hour obsessing over your credit on your pay as you go phone because you didn't want to text someone because of money. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This should probably be some kind of like mandatory school reading for like don't be like these people like just uh, all of this stuff like these are all the things you're probably doing but should not be so just like heads up dear zoomers don't do this (laughs) right and that's it but yeah it was a good it was as i say it's a very good read really well drawn like really fun characters really interesting but also like there's enough darkness there like i'm still shit scared of what the fuck is going on with takai and his new friend and taniwaki himself like i don't know that guy is living with an anvil over his head um sort of damocles anvil of damocles i don't know <laughs> um yeah there's some some there's death is is quite often like either in the like pleasant romance parts or in the slightly more worrying parts there is always a penny about to drop and it's like oh okay it's who's gonna get injured by this <laughs> so. yeah yeah for, for sure and it's it, it sold really well in like takai's case as well of just like it, it all makes sense that he would end up in this spot and it that just makes it all the more menacing of just like no nah, this is this kind of scans this adds up this could actually amount to something yeah this could amount to something and take a lot of people with it i suppose yeah um but yeah i don't really have anything else to, more to mention about it um no, i think I, yep sorry I was gonna say, yeah, no, I, I think we've we've probably like exhausted our our, our, our joys and, and vigors of this one. Yeah, but yeah, it's really fascinating. Um, a really interesting read. I'm glad I kind of picked it on a whim. Um, but yeah, now kind of to get what to read. So look forward to this on returning champions, I suppose. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, join the Patreon. Um, so yeah, and so now for a quick break and a message, well, from us. Hey, Elliot here, just interrupting this episode to let you know that Screen Tone Club is supported by our lovely listeners via Patreon. Doing this helps defer the cost of buying the manga we read for the show, keeps the show ad-free, and also gives us a lovely little ego boost. By supporting us on Patreon, you also get monthly bonus episodes. And if you support us on the $3 and up tier, you get to vote on what we cover on these bonus episodes. To find out more, please go to patreon.com forward slash Club. Uh, sign up today and you get full access to the entire back catalogue of two years plus of bonus episodes. Uh, whether you're a subscriber or not, thank you very much for listening. And now, back to the show. Okay, and with that, moving on to the, um, I suppose, ring-fenced part of the episode with the previously mentioned content warning um, for sexual assault um, and abuse um, is, well, it's your pick, Andy. Um, Take us away. Yeah, so my pick for this podcast is uh, Volume 1, which is another omnibus of uh, Sensei's Pious Lie, uh, which is a series I've sort of suddenly seen a lot of conversation around on Twitter, etc., which kind of got me interested in it. Um, It is uh, created by Akane Tolikai, uh, published by Kodansha, uh, two volumes currently in English, two omnibus volumes uh, out of four in total, so it has eight volumes in Japan, Uh, so not finished in English just yet, but uh, hopefully... They will be be cracking on with that as time goes by. Um, and so Sensei's Pious Lie um, kind of introduces us straight away to our, our main character, who is uh, a 20-something teacher called Mrs. Uhara. Um, and we first meet her kind of out to dinner with a friend of hers and her fiancé. And it's pretty clear from the outset that Mrs. U is pretty kind of awkward and uncomfortable around this and it's kind of made pretty clear like she's not really kind of the the general sense you get is that that she's kind of uncomfortable around men um but as it turns out there is a very good reason that she's uncomfortable in this particular scenario because uh said fiance uh Hayafuji actually raped her and is continuing to effectively blackmail her and assault her on on a regular basis um and that really is a very direct cliff notes into what this series is about um because this is not really a series about kind of sex per se it is all about sexual agency and kind of sexual power in its various forms um and obviously it's most sort of direct 
form of power is kind of from you know the male side and you know rape sexual assault etc etc um but as the series goes on it uses it kind of uses mrs's school as sort of a, a base to explore a whole bunch of different characters who have very different agencies and powers in in, in terms of kind of you know their their sort of sexual side so the other sort of closest I get, I guess we get to sort of a main character is, is it Nijima? I've uh, Nizuma. N- Nizuma, that's the one. It is Nizuma, who is uh, like a pupil in her class, who basically rumours start to go around that, that he's had like an affair with a married woman. Um, and it kind of turns out that like he has his own sort of issues with his kind of sexuality and with sort of, you know, what what arouses him basically. Uh, that he's kind of trying to come to terms with. And, you know, he is clearly sort of a guy who is sort of somewhat adrift in the typical sort of macho male kind of assumption of being, you know, sort of uh, constantly interested in sex and kind of horny about everything. Like, he is definitely very much not that guy. Um, but over the course of, of the uh, of the series, we, we get some some really interesting kind of female perspectives on uh, on things as well there's um i think it's it's mackie who is like a character who is she 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 portrays herself as the kind of like chaste angelic like oh i don't even know what any of this stuff is whereas actually you know she's kind of uh, hanging out with uh, someone else's boyfriend and kind of fooling around a bit um you know there is another character who is a swimsuit model um which is kind of one of one of the grand ironies that this series loves to to put up is like you know the the teachers are absolutely kind of aghast at, at the idea that that this girl could you know dress in a bikini pro- provocatively for some photos but have very little interest in kind of the fact that you know other other pupils are kind of going you know sleeping around etc cetera, etc cetera. um it's all very sort of surface level moralizing from them um, and, you know, and, and, and there's a really great moment with her where she kind of, you know, she, effectively Mrs. Zoo is, is kind of charged with like, well, hey, you've got to talk to her about this. And she's just like, hey, like, this is this is my body. Like, I'm proud of it. I th- there's nothing wrong with me showing this off. Like, what's your problem? Like, you know, may- maybe you should take a look in the mirror effectively. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole a whole group of almost kind of like, you know, parallel running stories around this like you know there's another girl who's kind of you know basically offering herself up to the first guy that she can find because like she feels like you know she needs to have sex and lose her virginity just to kind of have a guy be close to her and and have like you know somebody that cares about her is that that, uh, mika i think Yes, yeah, maybe that's. I've got to admit, I, I kind of like started to, to to lose track of of names at some point. Um, but it's it's this really good kind of diaspora of various kind of you know sexual um, and and kind of various kind of characters and like I say, their sort of sexual agency and the power that they wield over the opposite sex or whatever it is and. It's deeply uncomfortable at times, like particularly around like Hayafuji, like we get to see him assaulting like multiple women. Yeah, and, he, you is, know, he is. He, he very quickly becomes like an a, an accelerating problem. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, he is kind of an incorrigible piece of shit, basically. Yeah, like, he, he is, is the absolute worst. Like, yeah, like I, like. There's there's not even a kind of a redeeming side to him like you you know you you might sometimes get with this kind of character. It's just like no, he is like everything. He is kind of toxic masculinity like one hundred and ten percent, and it's kind of really rough whenever he kind of appears on the page that you kind of your skin crawls once you realize what he's all about because it's just like oh this guy is the worst um and i'm really interested to see where the series goes with his character because like it feels like he's sort of he's very much skating on thin ice and you kind of you know you find yourself hoping that he's going to fall through that ice at some point. Um, and in a way, I weirdly feel like some of all of the other characters are sort of a bit more interesting because they're sort of more nuanced than that. Um, and obviously kind of Mrs. Zoo in the midst of that is sort of interesting in her own right uh, because, you know, she has had this kind of, you know, basically Hayafuji kind of takes her virginity like by force and she is in this pretty 
bad sort of headspace really as far as that goes and so like she's in an interesting place in terms of where she progresses um so yeah there's a lot of really interesting stuff here that i kind of want to read more of um and kind of much like the other title we've covered here this i found quite compelling in terms of like i i want to see where this ends for all of these characters and kind of what ultimately this series is going to say about them all yeah i feel like um as you mentioned there's a lot of different like it's it's all very much sexual power dynamics because it's not just the characters on their own as an island like they're all interacting with each other to different degrees like obviously like Misuzu uh, is like a teacher and so she is at a slight remove and yet you know from the get-go like from the very start in the hallway you see her sort of passing judgment or sort of like going oh isn't it nice you know talking about her students um and you know it's the combinations thereof and the interactions that give this thing the really intense like sort of layer to it that really for me elevated it into a case of oh this isn't just like a character study on your own it's very much these different characters and their standpoints colliding and often to like you know often call often taking chunks off of both people as you mentioned like Hayafuji is like the absolute worst and that's what as you say makes him the less interesting character because he is like he is both the pinnacle of entitled toxic masculinity but also the fact that he knows it and he knows that the way that society is structured he can get away with all of this quite Mm. easily and he has been for quite a while as it turns out and he has been like a serial abuser he keeps um he keeps misuzu on the hook like through both direct blackmail and emotional blackmail physical blackmail like just recurring abuse um emotional and physical he keeps his fiance in like a state of limbo and she is starting i mean um minako the um fiance and mrs's friend like has become a weird like begrudging enabler almost because she's kind of putting up with this for the sake of their wedding and like more than once i've written in my notes that like she should like i i pray for her finding out what's going on so she just stabs him and then no court would convict her at least no convict court with any kind of sense um but she is being driven mad as well um because she is starting to try and like sneak a peek at his phone to see what the heck is making him so quote unquote tired and having a headache of an evening and you know sort of disassociating from the wedding they've got coming up and you know i mean hayafuji himself says from the get-go ah she's a dumb broad basically and it's like oh fuck like he has basically like made himself a weird like bolt hole nest with this like girl who is like like from when you learn her backstory it's basically like she's one of the people she wanted to be be a a wife like she wanted to grow up and be a housewife and enjoy that and it's like well you've you're going to be a wife, but holy shit, you are getting the worst possible life out of it with this fuckhead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I feel like kind of on the flip side of that, like that, there are a couple of things that I feel like are, are, don't quite kind of work with this series. Like I, I think one of them is like, I mean, we sort of see effectively like a couple of Hayafuji's victims, like there's Mrs. and there's some other girl and there is this slightly uncomfortable, sidebar of like ah but they kind of enjoy it really sort of thing that the series kind of leans into a little bit or at least a little bit too much like the the other girl in particular that we see him assault like you know it's very much basically the intimation like oh she's super into him now because you know she hadn't had a relationship before and now you know she's she's kind of she's smitten and that doesn't really scan like i feel like it works it, better yeah. with mrs Zoo because it feels like it's far more kind of coerced against her will like literal blackmail whereas in that case it feels like it's more of a sort of weird like i don't want to use the phrase stockholm syndrome because that's problematic in itself but like that's yeah. kind of what it's going for and like i don't particularly care for that and i don't think that it's the one thing that probably does a disservice to a lot of the storytelling in this in this volume yeah it, that is the, yeah you're right because there yeah because he assaults another per, another newbie to the company and the whole thing is really kind of intense and you know it has the touch of the touch of like the horror but at the same time like the way it 
plays that off afterwards with like and now she's giving him a blowjob in a hotel and it's like really like way to undercut the sheer unbridled horror of what just happened the combination of like you know they're out at work drinks and like the other boys and the other workmates are like ah ha ha you know that guy you know he smells a virgin and he goes for them like kind of transposing the like horrific rape taking place in the restaurant toilets with you know a really affecting set of panels including like you know the whole like mascara streaked across face view close up on you know the victim turn and then she then is giving him a slop you know a blowjob and it's like okay that's like you say with misuzu it makes a lot more sense because she's a lot more closeted at the start and you know is very much abused into this position due to the the dynamics whereas like hayafuji's like weird combo ongoing conquests is although you know it it does like highlight the fact that he can he's getting away with all this it does make it seem very strange or at least like he seems like he almost seems like like a weird like like just an out over the top villain plopped in which although you know people like that sadly do exist it it takes it just one step too far of making him the perfect predator you know he he fucked her brains out so good that now she's her pup he's a she's a puppet and it's like no no that's bad that's no yeah yeah it's it's that kind of typical like sort of you know porn ideal effectively. yeah it's, it's hentai it's logic of, it's hentai yeah, logic which is is kind of gross and it's it's a shame because i, I feel like there's a circumstance there where it, it could have made a very clear case of of him being like hey like i'm your superior at work um like you know i'm you can't tell anybody about this you need to come and keep seeing me because otherwise you know all of that would have been super believable um but it sort of it doesn't really lean into that all you get to hear is like oh no she's super into him now and it doesn't maybe there is more to come out of that but it doesn't feel that way yeah um, it's a and- shame Oops, sorry yeah, and I was going to say, and the other thing I think that is kind of more understandable with this series, but it does, it gets a little bit exhausting, I guess, almost, is that everything is about sex in this series. Yes. Like, it, this is kind of like, it made me think about how I, I always recall, like, your complaint about, like, Chihaya Furu, where everything is about character. Like, this is kind of like the Chihaya Furu of sex, where it's literally all anybody thinks or talks about in any kind of set of circumstances. It's like every character, like, you know, even the teenagers, like, yeah, teenagers think about sex quite a lot, probably perhaps 95% of the time, but there's still that other 5% where they'll worry about their homework or getting a bike or whatever it is yeah um and this doesn't really have that it's like every time it zooms in on any any character they're either having sex annoyed that they're not having sex or they're thinking about sex and it's like yeah or sex is being a problem for them or yeah or they are embarking on some kind of like again to use to overuse the word it's a dynamic like every single like time it gets more than one character like a single character on their own will talk will think about sex two characters together will suddenly like enter a play space where they like dual off or compare and contrast notes on their particular sexual proclivities and the powers they contain um and you know it just makes it a bit as you say a bit tiring when it's like man every single event page thing has to do with all of this and you know it's in there's a lot here but it's also the fact that it can't stop just keeping all that stuff colliding constantly yeah um, i mean you get interesting stuff out of it like you get nizuma um like nizuma basically gets collared by a busybody arsehole fat teacher who is very much part of like the societal problems really but the the school backdrop of we don't care we just want this to go away because it will make us look bad and of course misuzu gets um, roped in as his home like form teacher and she's like doesn't want to get involved with this and they proceed to have the single worst conversation in human history where from the get-go you know that due to their particular sort of circumstances where like nizuma was basically like pseudo sort of like abused into like an sexual encounter with a uh, with someone at his work and and his particular result and viewpoint as a result of that, and Mrs. Uhara, who is a victim of sexual abuse, ongoing sexual abuse that is that was ongoing, like and has a direct like thing hanging over her, and the two of them have a conversation, and it immediately becomes like the worst possible idea because you just know from the get go that neither of them are walking away from that undamaged. 
um that it's like oh you two are completely incompatible um with what you've experienced and how you are coming at it and and of course there is of course and i feel like like you could see it coming from a mile away but the kind of upshot of that is that nizuma gets another weird kink in his like in his head about sexual attraction um and arousal and you're like oh i can see this coming from my way this is now going to happen and it just makes it a bit sort of like ah this kind of is more dull but for the fact that i saw that coming um because there's an i mean you know mizuma has his own interesting thing where outside of the like mentioned like attack like basically the sort of ambush by his workmate like he has uh, there's a girl who goes out with her uh mika who is like on the slightly short and chubby side and she basically has the worst friends who basically keep her around as the like the jettisonable like sorry one of the group where they're the one she's the one they talk shit about when she's not around or even when she is around and they keep her almost like as a weird like mascot to like jettison um and so that kind of gets weird and another another weird manga that has a rumor of someone having a gigantic penis as it turns out we're two for two this week um so god knows but but yeah as i say the whole thing does get quite tiring because it is just it's an omnibus as well and i'm glad it's an omnibus because stopping at the first volume mark would make it an awful lot of setup without much actual like go like push Whereas as it is now after this first volume, it's like, oh, fuck. Okay, it's had a lot of push, but holy shit, I'm exhausted because every single thing is a sexual abuse or power dynamic writ large that is fascinating. But at the sometimes it's when it slips, it becomes a bit sort of like, ah, you know, it's a shame. It's like, oh, this slipped. And now it feels like the whole thing kind of fell with it a bit. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I would definitely have liked to see just like, especially a bit more of Mrs. Who just being Living. a school teacher like normally like ev- everything that you kind of get to see it's like you know even there's a scene where she kind of comes into class kind of a bit disheveled and kind of red faced and it's because you know she's just been kind of like coerced by Hayafuji again and it's like you know I just like to see more moments of her just giving a normal lesson like helping a people with something that's not their sex life or something like that just to just to give a bit more grounding and kind of and, and i feel like that's true across all of the characters is like i just want to see a bit more of them in their everyday life when it's not all about you know something sexual um and that would have just helped to give like a little bit more even just a little bit more depth to those characters because you know it does feel like they're all just defined by their sexuality and whatever relationships they're in and that's not really you know how anybody functions yeah even if something is a giant preponderance prepondering lump in your life it doesn't take over 100 percent of your time hmm. as you say and yeah it i mean even when mrs was at home with like eating a bento from a convenience store um she immediately turns on the tv and then it turns into sexual politics again which again yeah you know it says some interesting stuff but it makes it very tiring um or, i will admit though I, I zoomed in on that page because she got a jumbo chicken like katsu bento for 500 yen and holy fuck like that's dead <laughs> cheap give me that um but yeah like as you say like just like even its quiet moments are kind of like padding uh, like feel like they are like ramp up or cool down from you know sex politics chat um which you know again it's all interesting and but it's all very very close to the bone all the time i mean i feel like minako is going to break bad in some way real bad and i feel super bad super sorry for her already but you know, there's there's enough stuff here that's interesting to kind of keep me on the hook. And I'm probably going to continue reading this. I mean, it's four volumes, four omnibus volumes. And that makes it interesting of like, okay, this is this is a set length. And, it you know, it, it clearly already knows what it wants to do. Um, and interested to see how all of this spins apart or comes together, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely, yeah, like on, I'll, I'll definitely again, much like, uh, like, like our other title here, I'll, I'll be reading kind of volume two as, as soon as I get chance, uh, cause yeah, like it, all of these characters have sort of compelling stories that are being told, and you know, certainly, I, I feel like in, in terms of most of the teenage characters, like I, I find them, they're all kind of relatable to, you know certainly like people that I knew when I was kind of in secondary school and you know a lot of those kind of relationships and, and so on and so forth yeah if nothing um, so else you can if nothing else you can see the stink of the real on it of oh I knew someone like that 
Yeah, so. yeah, like it, it all feels very kind of yeah, very real and very viable, um, which you know is incredibly tragic in some ways when it comes to some of these characters. Um, and yeah, like and I, again, I think visually, you know, you, you've mentioned some of the stuff it does really well with its kind of you know juxtaposing and framing of stuff. Like there, there's some really excellent kind of framing of scenes and panels and and shots quote unquote as it goes through things like there, there's a really great one of my favorites that was kind of a bit throwaway is like there's uh it's where you kind of get i think it's like your first flashback to what really happened between mrs and hayafuji which kind of comes to her while she's talking with uh nizuma mm. and then it kind of it it tracks back into the present day with a really smart like two-page spread where it effectively fades from flashback to the the pupil set in front of her across that two page spread and there, there are lots of really nice little touches like that that give it that sort of cinematic feel that I feel like something like After Hours that we've talked about previously also had that that almost like film director viewpoint of like these are the points where you want to cut from this scene to this scene and you know a really good use of sort of angles to to show the right character at the right time or to not show something at the right yeah. time which is also like you know again there is there are depictions of actual kind of sex in this in these volumes but it gets the tone of that just right like it's it could be it could so easily either go too far one way and feel like you're trying to be kind of super chased about something which is clearly not or go the other way and being kind of like hey look at this isn't this hot when it's clearly something that should not be mm. um, and it's very good about you know especially the sexual assault scenes it makes them very kind of mechanical in in a sense of just like you know it, it's it's not there to be titillating or kind of erotic it's very much like hey this is like distressing and this is not you know th- there is nothing good about this and and i think it does a really good job of doing that without kind of you know having the sort of you know what happened here cut to what happened after like it, yeah. it knows that it, it has to linger on that and the impact that it's having but in just the right way and like i think that's like super impressive that it manages to do that because there are definitely i've definitely read other series that try to do this kind of thing and just kind of futz it one way or the other by kind of making it you know look super sexy or like you know the 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 other end of the spectrum yeah for sure it it knows how to kind of cut away or keep the camera moving um i think one thing i noticed from the get-go is that like very rarely do you ever get like a straightforward shot of a character um like it's the camera is nearly always like finding a way to juxtapose them interestingly in the scene or just on their own like quite often you'll have like three quarters of a character they'll be facing on but there'll be three quarters of them and it'll be there to show their expression but not the whole thing and the whole thing it it really works well to kind of like shift around your view um while you know it's not like it's constantly just hiding things from view or playing hide and seek with you it's knowing what to put in front of you to show you what it wants to without just constantly having to spell things out um yeah. like it's a really good and and it also like helps lend to a lot of the discomfort of a lot of the scenes um and some of the more mundanities like when misuzu is basically masturbating at home and the camera just sits there looking down isometrically on her and it's like there you go she's you know she's currently grappling with how to like masturbate here's it here's that isn't that mundane and it is because it's drawn mundane and it's shown mundane and you know she hasn't even like taken off like she hasn't even taken off her glasses you know it's just like ah, you know so yeah it really knows how to move the camera around and treat the scene as a scene rather than just like a flat panel to put in front of you um to like place characters onto you know it has that free it has that dimensionality and the the feeling of depth and also the fact that this is an ongoing event with real people um and you know mostly a horror sometimes quite sometimes a horrifying event that need you know it takes up space so it really helps with that um and it also helps that the physical book itself i got a digital copy but the physical books themselves are jumping are like plus sized and so they they can take up that space and room um for when you're reading 
Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think even in terms of like the sort of simpler stuff, like character expressions, it's very oh, good. Sure. At, yeah. It's very good at dealing with the complexity of that. I mean, again, those sort of opening scenes with sort of, you know, Mizuzu and Hayafuji and, you know, the, the, her, her friend are really good because you get exactly the sense that like there's something wrong and unsettling about this whole thing and how it's all panning out. But you don't, it's not kind of, you know, giving you a sort of big flash in the on light of what that thing is. Yeah. And it's a really complex compelling opening to this because you know you're trying to figure out these various characters and their relationships and like why is mrs is so uncomfortable here and it slowly lets that kind of build and it slowly kind of lets you see more and more of that as it goes on and a lot of that is down to kind of her own expressions where you know she's kind of looking unhappy or worried or blushing slightly or whatever it is and it's really good at at doing that and again it's not in that sort of typical sort of cartoony way of your sort of like you know anime girl blushing like it's this very sort of subtle kind of like flushing of the face of just like oh this is embarrassing or whatever Uh, it does all of that in in a really kind of interesting way that kind of had me on the hook in that first chapter of like okay like this is there's a subtlety and a nuance to what's being kind of put across here that that is hooking me in to want to know more. Yeah, there's a lot of small twitches and little sort of motions and reactions rather than like, you know, big sweat drop style things. Yeah. You know, it it keeps it also quite scratchy. Like the art is quite a thin, thin lines. And so it does these, it, it does that very effectively where it makes use of an economy of line and like, you know, it makes it, you know, the detail is there that is important to see. Um, also it makes Hayafuji look like even worse because he's got that shitty fucking beard. Um, but yeah, the least of his crimes. Um, but yeah, it really knows how to go carefully meter out the artwork. Um, so yeah, and as I say, like it always knows where to put a camera. Um, like there's like Schrodinger's, um, Schrodinger's, um, blackmail photo at one point, which pops up later on. And the way it frames that makes it both an extremely mundane event, but also when you're sat there, because it's not like everyone goes, oh, and they kick each other to the moon, not like fucking Love Hina or something, but it is a case of like, oh, this is a mundane act, but what's contained here is extremely destructive to everyone involved in this scene. And now people are going to walk away from that and go, oh, fuck, like, okay, right, okay, next, yeah, we've got to take that into account for all of this. Um, So, yeah, fascinating, fascinating way to sort of handle all of that. Yeah, and it's it's also, it's even interesting with kind of, like, Nizuma's character, because he's pretty deadpan, and so he's not, like, really the most expressive character in the series by any stretch, but there's still just enough to him that you can kind of, you get to see... The, the sort of the disturbances beneath the surface and there's a couple of times where you know he reacts very overtly to something yeah and then you kind of you're really clued in of like oh okay that that thing is kind of like a, a trigger point for for him um so yeah like the way it handles all of its characters and 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 matches their kind of personalities is is really really smart as well yeah Nizuma is really fascinating just the fact that he's like you know trying to affect like too cool for school and bored with life yet also is an already is an abuse victim basically already but still grappling with his own power and he's like he's kind of like causing a lot of collateral damage for those around him even in a very weird way like woe is me type way at times um and again he like reacts extremely vigorously to some things and it's yeah it's a it's a fascinating character but one that also like you see when he's like gone from like whatever man i'm just at school to ah like you know legit just ha- like melting down uh because yeah. something has happened which he is super uncool with um, yeah he's he's also an interesting character i mean again much much like kind of what we're talking about with Sigurdera of of like the sort of how ephemeral the sort of the social structures of this school are because when you first see him he's basically kind of being bullied effectively yeah, and he he's is, kind yeah. of he, he's got like a, a target on his back and and clearly like some of his classmates have decided like they want to give him a, a kind of a, a kicking if not physically then kind of mentally but then there's this weird kind of shift around because of the rumors around him and the stuff that happens suddenly he kind of becomes weirdly like oh he's the sort of cool kid cool mysterious kid who a bunch of the 
the girls are interested in and it's like that's kind of how it goes where you can sort of go from being you know the bottom rung of the ladder to suddenly you're in with some of the cool kids or whatever it is and it, it handles that pretty gracefully as well yeah he gets kind of ejected into a strange in-between state where he's no longer he's now a different different kind of untouchable it's just like oh he there's something weird about him i think everyone kind of realizes that the teachers have their baleful eye on him and god knows you know you don't have to deal with those idiots um but yeah that's kind of what i have to say about this um series it's a it's a, yeah also um yeah i had to make sure i when i when i read it in the cafe i had to move my chair so i faced the back so that my my back faced the wall because i didn't want like one of the waitresses to see what was on the screen <laughs> so it's like, yeah yeah don't yeah, read it in I'm, public I'm, folks <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably fair for both of both of the series we've covered here, and maybe not like r- read it on the train, kind of fair. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely on on the on the 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 the, the rides to to read more of this. Um, and yeah, like would definitely recommend it to anybody if this sounds interesting and they're kind of comfortable with, or well, comfortable is not really the word, but they're they're okay with the uncomfortable elements of this series because yeah, like it is pretty, it does go to some pretty dark places. Yeah, as mentioned. Um, it's a Kadansha title, so there is like a first chapter-ish chunk available on their website in their reader to so if you're on the fence, um, that doesn't get into the worst things that we've talked about or seen in this volume, but it gives you a good indication of the the material it is playing is like working with so worth a look if you're on the fence um in that way um it's a pretty decent chunk as well so it's like 30 odd pages so you know you can get you can get a good way into like the setup um with um misuzu so yeah it's yeah i think especially the way it ends as you say with the school with the school girl who is doing modeling and her basically say like mrs gets pushed into like having to talk to her because oh she's your student and it's like fuck off old man um don't why are you making me your mouthpiece and you know immediately goes down in flames when she tries to like shoot her shot um in a way that completely destroys her um but at the same time you're like yeah that's a response so whoops um yeah it's but yeah real fascinating stuff um uh, uncomfortable definitely uncomfortable at times for sure but very interesting stuff to read yeah yeah and also i think if you're looking for the digital version i think this is only on bookwalker like i I feel like i only saw the physical version on amazon because i think they continue to be a bit strange with their digital policies for anything too graphic yeah Um, it's i I believe it's i think i got i got it on kobo um ah yeah it's maybe on kobo but yeah some some storefronts may or may not have it due to their own discomfort with material of this nature so it's very it's very scattershot in terms of availability it's also available physically if you but you know maybe don't leave it a line for your mum to find yeah exactly cool anything else to mention about this no no i think we have we've covered this in 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 a decent amount of detail cool yeah be interested to see what other people think about it um so it's definitely a a series that um engenders um discussion (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah and i mean yeah i think that's true of both of the series in this episode like i'd I'd really love to hear other people's kind of experiences with them because i I feel like there is a certain amount of kind of the the personal to this like especially siguatera of just like you know whether how much it it does or doesn't mesh with your own kind of teenage experiences so uh so yeah as, as always love to hear what other people think of these titles yeah there's certainly an amount of um putting your hand in your chest tearing out your heart and showing it to someone going check it out you know it's just like <laughs> oh no put that back um anyway so moving on to what we're talking about next time um i think we've both picked something a little lighter um as a result um thought. yeah weird it turns out you know you can't live on bread alone um but i have picked something i've been looking forward to for quite a while um it's one of demper's recent releases it's vampires volume one it's got vampires and yuri what else do you need <laughs> and andy how about you uh, yeah, so I think the anime adaptation is starting soon. I think it's yes. this season, or it's certainly coming up soon. Yes. Uh, so I have picked The Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting, Volume 1. Yeah, I've read this before, um, so interested to go back to it, because it's been a while. Um, so yeah, it'll be fun. I think it's also available cool. on um, Azuki, if you have that. So Yes, yes, I think I have seen them promoting that. And sadly, I don't believe it has any vampires or lesbians in it, but, you know, we'll take what we can get. Yet. 
<laughs> okay, cool. Moving into close down. So um, you can find our website with all of our previous episodes on screentone.club. Um, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend, tweet about it. All that sort of stuff really helps get us up there and in front of people. Um, ratings and podcast reviews are really appreciated. Thank you to everyone who has. Um, if you haven't, please consider doing it. I consider us a five-star show, but then again, I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, although I don't think that quite so much after I finish editing an episode, that's for sure. Um, we have a Twitter, at Screen Tone Club, uh, where we tweet infrequently about stuff. Um, once, Maybe once um, part two of Chainsaw Man starts up again, I can hijack the account and use it for that maybe um you can also email us show at screentone.club um in terms of personal plugs uh my name's elliot page you can find me at elliot page on twitter um that's kind of it for the moment and andy how about you yeah you can find me on twitter probably getting far too excited about macross plus at the moment um at hannah's 1979 <laughs> just take pictures of that like import set you bought all those years ago uh, yes, yeah, that that has been an important reference material of late. So, yeah. <laughs> You're showing it to everyone you can find, going, "Hey, we should get this." Um, anyway, <laughs> cool. Um, so, as always, thank you ever so much for listening, and good night. Bye, everyone. Bye.